the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the things I believe in is lists. It is important to try to get out there and see the world. I did a lot of that in my teens and 20s. I was a college student who was always heading out of town to go off and do something overseas in Europe, whether it be Europe or Chile. Get out and see the world before it's too late. If you've never seen a giant tortoise or sea lion, if you've ever never had pizza in Italy, consider heading to Cuba and seeing massive poverty. Vegas Strip is nice once, maybe twice in your life. But also don't forget to drive the Vegas Strip. If you ever could rent a car, it's worth it. You can see the ruins of Angkor Wat in Cambodia. You would honestly think you're in a movie. It is that scenic that you would think you're in a movie. The River Seine sign in Paris. You don't have to be a tourist. You can just walk up and down it, look like a local. Maybe look like a hipster. Wear all black and some black shades. I've never been to Yellowstone National Park. I want to go, but you know what? I'm, I'm negative on Yellowstone. It seems like everyone's there all the time. So, not my thing. I've been to Quebec, and I stayed in an ice hotel. I've gone to Rio de Janeiro and party during Carnival. I was in Spain, and I didn't really appreciate Spain because I wasn't into architecture in any way, shape, or form at that time. But the Guggenheim Museum is stunning. I spent time growing up in Greece and in Turkey, so I've been in bazaars, which is pretty odd. I've done Oktoberfest with a huge stein of beer. So what I'm trying to get at is not telling you how great and fabulous my life is, but have some goals in your life. Like, I just threw off a list of, like, I'm not going to say postcards, but I guess it's postcards in hindsight, right? One of the things I like to do is uh, look at my net worth, you know, once a year. See how it's growing or not. Social Security used to send out Social Security statements every year of how much you've contributed. And I loved looking at those and showing friends and family and just laughing. Like, I remember when I was, I've, I've been working since I was 14, 15, 16 in that time frame. Long story short, uh, I got a good laugh out of it. You know, um, looking back in time and, and seeing how little money you made. But was I happier than that? I probably actually was. 
you want to drop me an email, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I'd be more than happy to chat with you. You can email me, rob at robblack.com. Twitter me, Rob Black Show. Again, sometimes my content will actually come from Twitter. And that helps me enormously. In large part, it gives me perspective of what people are trying to do and think. Like, I don't short stocks, and someone was asking me, would I short XYZ? And I don't necessarily short stocks because I don't see the goal in it. It's tough to analyze what people are willing to do. Like, let's take a look at Microsoft. They charge a ridiculous amount for their operating system, a ridiculous amount for Office. Both an operating system and software for typing could be had for free. Google's got a product called Google Office, which they've had for at least eight plus years that I can remember. It's free. A lot of people don't use it because they're afraid to change. Honestly, that's the only reason people don't use it, right? So where does this go? Um, Do you think Microsoft is going to go to zero? It wouldn't surprise me. Let me give you a reason why. There once was a time when Best Buy was the dominant electronics player. There once was a time where Circuit City was the dominant electronics player. There once was a time that the only place you could buy a computer in the United States was Tandy and, and or Radio Shack. Things do change. So know that going in, right? Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We can particularly talk about your money and the concept of shorting a stock. We could look at a Microsoft and say, you know, there was digital equipment, there was Compaq. Do you remember Compaq computers and Gateway computers? Do you remember Gateway with the cow boxes? They would deliver your computer in a box that had, like, cow design on it. So some businesses that were once multi-billion dollar businesses, gone. It's like, are we entitled to... Should there really be eight car dealers in, our, in the world? Wouldn't we be better off with two, like good old communist Russia? Do we really need that much choice? Capitalism has a way of saying yes or no, which is kind of nice. Elon Musk with his electric car, crazy. So shorting a stock, you could be totally right, and yet you could still make a massive, massive mistake. So... I say be cautious if you're going to do it. As you're pretty, so be wise. Know that the guy next to me may think Gateway is going to take it over. So here I think it's going to zero, from five to zero. And I thought Sun Microsystems was going to go to zero. At 60, I said on the air, I think it goes to zero. Anyway, I think you get the idea of... You have ten people. And ten of them could uh, 
like a stock that you hate, like a stock that you think. Like, so inst- for instance, going back to Twitter, I learned that people want to invest in iron ore or they want to short iron ore. I get gold. I get it. I don't get silver. Silver's not an industrial metal. Gold and copper are. You can make demand calls based off that. I don't get iron ore. I don't get... I don't think most people know what iron ore is, what it does, where it goes, who consumes it, how it's shipped, where it's found. And yet someone wants to have an opinion to short it. It's one of the biggest mistakes I see in people is that they overstretch ideas that they shouldn't be involved in in the first place. This is Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. You'll get a kick out of this, I think. Looking back at some of my past notes. Back in 2005, I keep all my radio notes. All of them. I had sent myself some notes on digital TV. This is 2005, okay? This is June 2005. Television makers are hoping for the mother of all upgrade cycles as the United States nears the end of analog TV broadcasts. They expect a rush of people buying digital TV sets over the next three and a half years now that Washington has mustered the political will to set a hurdle to cut a cutoff date. So we went from, you know, antennas being able to pull in your TV signals to digital signals so you need a digital tuner kind of thing. Senators John McCain and Joe Lieberman out of Connecticut introduced a bill on December 31st, 2008 as a hard cutoff date for analog TV broadcasts. The bill is called Save Lives Act, short for Spectrum Availability for Emergency Response and Law Enforcement to Improve All Vital Emergency Service Act. Analog TV sets that rely on free over-the-air broadcasts would go dark the next day unless consumers get converter boxes. So the statistic was 13% of U.S. households or 14 million homes get TV program only from terrestrial broadcasts. So back in 2005, only 14 million Americans had no cable TV. 87% of households with cable or satellite pay TV would be covered by the set-top converter boxes used by those services. So Congress not going to just foist the change on households. The government's also going to offer a subsidiary, subsidiary a subsidy, good God, for the converter boxes. Boxes are expected to cost 50 bucks when they're introduced. So, that day, Best Buy, the nation's number one consumer electronic retailer, credited digital TV sales as amongst the hot items that let it blow past Wall Street earnings expectations for the quarter. So inside this article, it talked about how color TV took 10 years to get into 5% of homes. Digital TV got in 15% of homes in less than 7 years. It's a great time to be in the TV business. I think it's fair to say now that it's a horrible time to be in the TV business. I think it's horrific. And this was a story 
that I was doing back in 2005. I mean, come on. You're with me on the whole Best Buy thing, right? Like, you see that now as humorous. You see the switch from analog to digital is it kind of went smoother than we thought it was going to go. Where does this all go? Two of the investments that I highlighted in that story were Corning, who makes glass, GLW, and Best Buy, BBY, who sells the product. So let's pull up a chart of Corning. And again, they've made glass for many, 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 many years. They're a pretty diversified industrial-type company. But if you go back to 2005, when I did this story, it was an $11 stock. And now, seven, eight years later, it's a $12 stock. Not a lot has happened. It's paid a 2.9% dividend along the way. What's even more interesting about Corning, in 1999... It was a $20 stock, and it went boom, straight up. One year later, it was 100 and, gosh, I want to say 20 bucks. $109 at its all-time high. What caused it to go from 20 to 109 and then all the way down to buck 80 And now it's back to you know 12 bucks. Does it tell you that we got speculative, that we started falling for stories that we probably shouldn't have fallen for? It does a little bit. You know, right now there's stories about Google Glass and Apple's watches. And will they or won't they? And what will they look like? And what do we need to know? I think long story short, just be cautious. Like, you can see that glass has been a, a story in the, in the past. I brought up not a mistake that I made seven years ago. I was just doing a story. I wasn't investing in Best Buy recording. I was just doing a story like I do right now. But you make mistakes. Like A lot of people probably thought Best Buy was going to change the world with their TVs. The more tough lessons you learn early in your life, the fewer errors you're going to make later in your life. Always make your living doing something you enjoy. Be intellectually competitive. The key to research is to assimilate as much data as possible in order to be the first to sense a major change. You know, try to be smart and stay smart. If you're going out and getting drunk, if you're going out and watching TV till midnight, think about, did you learn anything? Again, maybe you're watching Charlie Rose. Maybe you're watching PBS. Maybe you are learning stuff. I'm watching the BBC, and I'm learning all about life in 1920. So try to be intellectually competitive, make good decisions even uh, with incomplete information. You'll never have all the information you need. So what matters is what you do with that information you have. Make good decisions. Trust your intuition. Again, make mistakes early and then later start trusting your intuition. You're Intuition is a little supercomputer inside your head. It can help you do the right thing at the right time. Warren Buffett once said, you know, pretend like you only have 20 investments total in your life. 
I think that's pretty good advice. Peter Lynch once managed the greatest mutual fund of all time, the Fidelity Magellan Fund. He managed it for 13 years. Under his tenure, it went from $20 million in assets to $14 billion. His average annual rate of return was 29%. He beat the S&P 500 in 11 out of 13 years. Lynch consistently applied a set of eight fundamentals to his selection process. Eight things that he believed in. Know what you know. He would go to the mall with his kids. He'd take his kids shopping. His kids would be like, I want to go to Chile's. I want to go to Chile's. I want a burrito. He invested in Chili's. He saw the stores that were, were packed, and he invested in the stores that were packed. Again, a little bit contrite, a little bit cute, right? Peter Lynch, his second rule was, it's futile to predict the economy and interest rates. I kind of get that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a game. It's, it's fun. Like, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Will it be the 49ers or will it be the Ravens? Like, it's fun to sit there and go, well, this team's got a better quarterback. This team's got more intangibles. This one's got the brother. This one's got the other brother. Peter Lynch also said, you have plenty of time to identify and recognize exceptional companies. You've got plenty of time to do it. Do we think... Huh. Who's the next great company? Like something that I've learned in retail recently, dollar store is fun. People like going in with a couple bucks, walking out with ten things for ten bucks. Sears is a play on the house. As a guy who owns a house, anytime I need a washer dryer, refrigerator. As a guy who has a rental, anytime I need a washer dryer, refrigerator, I call Sears and have it delivered the next day. That's awesome. So learn, like, there's some things that are a play on retail. Lululemon, fashionable yoga clothes. Workout clothes have stunk for such a long time that Juicy Couture came along and did really well. That tells you that that's an industry that's ripe for a really good retailer. Fast food has stunk for so long. Like, if you go to Taco Bell, like, it's not an enjoyable experience while you're there or after. So you can identify good retailers, and you get them. Like, I like Sears. I don't like it enough because all of those things that I like, there's a whole other department store around it. So I'm like, okay, it's okay. It's okay. I'm not going to dislike it. J.C. Pennings is too much like Macy's to me. They're trying not to be, but I can't wait. I can wait till they succeed. I don't have to, like, buy one or the other now. Because before J.C. Penney's and, and Macy's, there was Nordstrom's. Before that, there was Bradley's. Do you remember Bradley's? It's a big shopping company in the United States. So you have plenty of time to identify and recognize exceptional companies. Like, I think Chipotle is an exceptional company. As a restaurant, they do something very, very unique. Now, in the end, they make food. They make meals, and there's not a lot of margins because, like, you're not going to be like, I need a Super Burrito 2.0. Avoid long shots. Ladies, you're 25 years old. You just met a millionaire, and he happens to own an island in a private jet. You're probably not going to marry him. You're probably going to be a weekend. 
Avoid that long shot that you think you're going to be the one. Same thing with investing. Good management is very, 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 very important in corporations. Understand that as an investor. Learn to be flexible and humble. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Before you make a purchase, you should be able to explain what you're buying. You should be able to explain it with crayons. There's always something to worry about. There's always something to worry about. This is Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin. We're looking at big delays coming out of the Tracy area west side. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. So there's one investor that I really like. His name's Ron Mullenkamp. He's someone that I'm not going to say I studied because that sounds like malarkey. Like I would read his writings every night before I go to bed as a child and I grew up to be just like him. There's some great investors out there. Jack Bogle, Warren Buffett, Philip Fisher, Benjamin Graham, Bill Gross, Carl Icahn, George Soros, Michael Steinhardt. You're like, Michael Steinhardt? Who's he? It's one of those Wall Street guys who pulled over 20% returns for a long period of time and beat the S&P 500. Best thing you could do as an investor is, like, don't confuse an up market with being smart. That's a horrible, horrible thing to do. It, it's a bad habit to get into. I was in a medical device fund last year that was up 25%. Start with the basics. Like, yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I was this little skinny white kid who could run super fast and would play football. And I was like the last kid picked because I was like, uh, in 10th grade, I maybe weighed 105 pounds, and everyone else had already hit puberty because I was one of those kids who went to school early in kindergarten. And I was playing with these monsters, and I could outrun them. I could run right past them and catch a pass. It's not like I was going to make the varsity football team. Could I make them look silly on the playground? Absolutely. But could I do it with pads on? No chance on the planet. So you have to learn the, the basics in life. You know, the gallon of gas has gotten more and more expensive in your whole lifetime. So right there you know one thing. A stamp's gone up in your lifetime. A car's gone up in your lifetime. I remember my dad bought, I want to say, a Chrysler K car for maybe like $8,000 in the 80s. You can't buy a good old reliable car now from Lee Iacocca for anything less than $30,000. Maybe you buy a Kia. Maybe that's the new K car, I don't know. But a stamp, gasoline, cars have all gone up. So that's called the Consumer Price Index. You don't need to know that. You just need to know that there's inflation out there. And that, yeah, you've you know not gotten a raise in 10 years, but you still have your job. You've actually underperformed. 
Because if you make $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, in the last 10 years, food's gone up. Cost of the stamp's gone up. Cost of a car's gone up. The cost of repairing your car's gone up. So you have to understand very, very basic stuff. You don't want to be smart. Just because you had a good year last year doesn't mean you're smart. It was a good year. It was a good time to be an investor. You know, Barack Obama's elected president. When was he elected president? 2008. Sturm and Ruger, up over 100% since then. He was, one of his things that he said, you know, was like, we can't let kids die on the street to guns. Were you smart enough? Were you smart enough in 2008 to buy the gun makers? Smith & Wesson, Sturm and Ruger. Probably not. They've done great. That shows me your level of smarts. If you bought them, then yeah, you're the winner. You know, my mom and dad had a mortgage that I remember, you know, the $40,000, $60,000, $80,000 house that quickly became the $400,000, dollars $800,000 house. My dad's salary didn't balloon that much. Few people's salaries balloon that much. Now, does that tell you that real estate's greatest investment of all time? No, because the same principle applies of did your wages go up or not? And if not, who's going to buy your house down the road? A mortgage rate moves a price of a home more so than almost any other factor. Location's important, mortgage rates are important, and location is important. If you're buying on Maui, beachfront, there's very little beachfront in the world like Maui. It's pretty, pretty darn sacred. There's always going to be some rich millionaire who wants to buy that from you. Larry Ellison's buying houses, I believe, in Malibu. Just like that house where I'll buy it. He's got like seven or eight houses now. He's going to own the whole Malibu coast at some point in time, which I think is intriguingly, interestingly cute and funny. Um, it is what it is, whatever. But you're not smart, and real estate doesn't always go up. Real estate needs those three things to be going up to go up. It needs mortgage rates to go lower, because that means more people are able to afford the home. Or you need something really unique like property location. It needs wages to go up. Otherwise, who can afford it? And who could bid your house higher? And it needs, you know, ideal locations. That's important. So interest rate inflation. If interest rates start going higher, fewer people can afford real estate. You're hearing commercials every single day that interest rates are at all-time lows or near all-time lows. What do you think is going to happen if interest rates jump 1%, 2%, If interest rates jump 3%, if the average mortgage goes from 4%, 7%, you're talking about housing going down 50% plus. You're talking about houses, housing, speculative housing getting murdered. Now, less speculative housing are housing located close to jobs or on the island of Hawaii i.e. something very, very unique or close to jobs. As a guy who works in television, I once bought five minutes from a television station so that I could be five minutes away from television. I didn't want to be stuck in traffic. I come from the East Coast where if you leave your house at 4, you may not get to 7-Eleven and back by 5. Like, there's that much traffic locally. If you go out on the highway, you're an hour, hour and a half away from anything. So some people base their decisions and pay way too much money just to be location, location, location. That's happening in San Francisco, the Bay Area right now, of kids who are working at Google, Facebook, 
they're saying to themselves, like, look, I don't really want to drive to work. I want a bus to take me to work. So decisions on housing, they can afford more house because they don't have to have a, a car. They speculate. It's, it's a little bit tougher than you think. So the cost of a mortgage plays into inflation. Wages play into inflation. These are all things that you need to digest and think about. You're listening to me, Rob Black. The show is Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Tune in weekly to the Financial Safari and get that common sense approach to financial and retirement planning. The moral of this story is there are a lot of great places for your money, but there are a lot of unscrupulous people out there, too. Do you want to spend years trying to get back to where you are right now? Participate in some of the upside of the market, but none of the downside. We call that advance and protect. Tune in to the number one financial planning show in the country, the Financial Safari with Mark Trutman, Saturday afternoons at 2 on AM 1220, KDOW, the Bay Area's business leader. Ba-ba black sheep. Have you any wool? No, sir. No, sir. Some nincompoop with pantyhose pulled over his face stole all my wool sweaters and gaming system. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency recently helped me with renter's insurance. Everything stolen was replaced, and the little boy who lives down the lane was caught trying to sell it online. Call Geico and see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance. And my heart radio station, KDOW, Palo Alto, the Bay Area's business leader. A division of Salem Communications, on the NASDAQ at SALM. I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. The Dow down 47, the NASDAQ 17. The economic news today mixed. Construction spending fell more than expected in January. Manufacturing, though, rose again thanks to more new orders. Personal incomes dropped a whopping 3.6%, but Americans don't seem to be too upset. Consumer sentiment's up sharply, and consumers are still spending, especially on cars. General Motors sales 7% higher, Cadillac's in big demand. Ford sold a record number of Escapes and Fusions. Chrysler sold a ton of those Dodge Challengers. TrueCar.com says auto sales this year could be the best since 2007. Shares of Best Buy up 2%. Sales rose. It lost less money. Best Buy also turned down a billion-dollar offer for a stake in the company from friends of founder Richard Schultz. And menu changes coming to McDonald's. Chicken selects will be gone. Fruit and walnut salad gone. And the McDonald's Angus burgers? Well, they could be on the chopping block. I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. In today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. I want to get you to retirement. That's one of my goals on this show. I make mistakes in my life. I hope you know that. I think we all do. I don't ever want to come across as brash or cocky or insincere. At times I come across as brash and cocky and insincere. And I'm not trying to be that person. I'm trying to push a lesson or concept. One of the things that I absolutely believe in is that, you know, money's not God and money's not powerful. 
But money does fund a good lifestyle, and I believe in a good lifestyle. I do believe in things like pay off any credit card debt over 8%. I do believe that you should prepare meals at home as often as you can. And when you go out, go out well. McDonald's is ending chicken selects. That's not going out well. Now, can they make chicken fried chicken fingers cheaper than I can? Yeah. Turn off the lights, the television, unplug the lights, unplug the television when you go on vacations. Stupid stuff like that saves money. And that stuff adds up. When the air conditioning is on, keep windows closed. When the heater's on, keep windows closed. I don't get people who throw away money is what I'm, I'm getting at. One of the most powerful lessons you could ever do to a teenage kid is pull out the checkbook and make them pay bills. Have them pull, pay the cable bill. Have them pay for car insurance. Have them pay for the taxes. Start showing them that life costs money. Don't show them when they're you know, 13 or 12 or 11. Let them be kids. But do start teaching kids that, that like, you can't just throw away money. You can't just put money into an arcade machine and be happy. I guess you could be happy like that for a while. So I talk a lot of basics. Eliminate outstanding debt over 8%. Create an emergency fund. Save up for a big expenditure. One of the things I don't talk enough about is there's three types of people working. Three types of working speeds. There's people. They work for someone who can't, won't fire them. That's typically the government or Salem Radio. (laughs) They work for someone who can fire them, typically a business. I've seen people fired, so that's not fair for me to say. Or they work for themselves. And there's working speeds. I like to work for myself. There's four types of spending modes. There's people that spend their own money, money that they've earned, on themselves. So they spend their own money on themselves. There's people that spend money they've earned on someone else. There's people that spend someone else's money on themselves. And there's people that spend someone else's money on someone else. Out of all those, I'd suggest that national and wealth production only occurs in the private, non-governmental area. Because when you spend someone else's money on ourselves, that's like the Senate. When you spend someone else's money on someone else, it's government programs. When you spend money that you've earned on someone else, that's charity. So when you spend your own money that you've earned, that's the private economy. I believe in the private economy enormously. I believe in having your own business enormously. I don't really want to earn. I mean, when you work for a company, you're going to max out at some point. I maxed out slightly above minimum wage in radio. It's actually kind of cute that I could say that. Um, Let's bring in Tony Mendez with Bay Area Loan source.com bayarealonesource.com good morning good morning um you're a guy who works for himself you uh do loans and lending in theory you could have 100 employees underneath you mm-hmm. you don't but you could and you'd make more money if you did mm-hmm. so i like that unlimited potential i like that businessman entrepreneurial angle i don't want to be the secretary for the lender i don't want to be the lender for the broker i want to be the lender that has other lenders working with them. Yeah, which was funny because I grew up, my dad was, you know, a nine-to-five kind of guy, 40 hours a week, usually 50. And, um, you know, we kind of went the opposite direction, both my brother and I. Yeah. So, you know, there's just more potential. 
Um, but there's also a lot of downside. I, th- uh, I think there's a lot of self-employed people that are listening that, um, you know, there's some difficulties. Uh, even though you get some good tax breaks, from my point of view in the lending industry, it's a pretty difficult type of loan to do. So I think people, um, even though they're creative on tax returns, they, they get kind of s- screwed over because the you can't use your gross income to buy a house. You have to use your net, and I think that that's a penalty that I think needs to be changed. It's interesting that you bring that up, uh, starting with your dad, who was... Uh, not a military guy, but a government worker, and he had a great pension, he probably has a better retirement than you will as far as how much money and how much health care he could afford. Yep. Uh, one of the things my dad taught me when I was uh, – one of the first things I remember talking about money was he goes, I put away 5% on my check every month, every paycheck. Um, and he's been doing that for well, – he did that for 30 years. So. I hear you on that, but give me a second here. So your dad had the government job with a government pension, and government pensions today aren't what they were then. So had you gotten into government 20 years ago, you still wouldn't be as well off as your father. Had you got to, had your kid gotten into the government today, he wouldn't be, and you don't have children, but you get the idea, he wouldn't be better off than you. Like pensions are going, they're getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. They're not what they used to be. I like the couple that, and you're, both of your parents work for the government. This is, I, we can't talk about your parents because that's you know, 50 years ago when they were going to work. Um, I like the couple where one guy's the entrepreneur and one person works for a corporation. Because if the wife works for IBM or Cisco, she gets great health care benefits. Cheap. Cheap. Because mm-hmm. she's working with 10,000 other employees and the company gives her that discount of, you know, spread the health care risk out. Um, and then I like the individual who could write off the car, who could write off the plants that go in the office, who could write off the computer, the notebook that just conveniently comes home with you. You get the basic idea. So it's That's a very similar situation I'm in. Yep. Yeah. It's exact situation. It's been like that for years. And I'm in the situation where eight people live off of me. <laughs> I've just got what I refer to as lifelong mooches. Your circle of trust. I wouldn't even go that far because I don't trust them as far as I could throw them, and I can't throw any one of them. My dog, Maisie, all she does is eat and eat and eat and poop and poop and poop. And for some reason, I love her. Like, I don't get that. I know. Anyway, um, I love your dog. Yeah, but dogs are expensive. You know, dogs in their lifetime cost over $100,000. Aren't they also the most common insurance claim? Yeah, 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 in your homeowner's insurance because yeah. they yeah. bite people. Uh, but that's a whole other thing. Like, they're, they're a financial risk, but they're also expensive. Like, I know a friend who has three cats. That's expensive. Now, cats are a lot less expensive than dogs. But if you have a big-sized dog... and I mean, you you know this. You had a cat that went in for medical care and five thousand dollars later. Oof. So I'm glad you stopped telling that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've stopped, stopped telling the story about the time your cat got a lump on her face and you took her to the vet. And the vet's like, yeah, we can do radiation. Five thousand dollars later, she's and dead. Three cat, months, three months three later, months later yeah. cat's dead. Thanks for telling the story again. Which, for the record, I'm, I'm totally upset and ready to leave the station now. As as an entrepreneur, I told you, and I it's I have a business on the side. Dr. Dog Death and Dr. Cat Death dot com. I will come and take your pet away this weekend. Kids will never know. You'll just know that Sparky left the house. Sparky will go for a nice trip to the beach. And uh, $100. $100 cash money. Now, there was the, that $5,000 just didn't buy the cat an extra three months. It also made my wife very, very happy. Yeah, and a little bit poorer. But it was a peace of mind. I disagree with that one. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. When, when, your, your, when your dog is on its last leg, so to speak. Uh, Hulu Factory. I'm going to get a couple dollars for her. 
After that dog, it's cost me $100,000 this lifetime. Food ain't cheap. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money invested in more. Find me online at robblack.com. You can find Tony at bayarealoansource.com. Find me online at robblack.com on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin. Traffic is still pretty heavy coming out of the Central Valley westbound 205 at Mountain House Parkway. An earlier multi-car crash has been cleared to the right-hand shoulder. Emergency crews are still on the scene and looks like it's... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Thanks for listening to the show. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. I believe in having things that are so easy in the world of investing that you can explain them to a child. I want to pass on not my commandments to you and not my commandments. And let there be 15 commandments. One of the slates falls and breaks. Ten commandments. Um, History of the World, Mel Brooks, funny opening scene, kind of went down from there. But I believe you should have things that you can sit down and argue over. Like, this doesn't sound like the sexiest date ever, but start with this one. You're sitting down with your sugar booger. Playing the part of my sugar booger, Tony Mendez. So, convenience is usually expensive. Ignorance is deadly. Do you, I mean, let's play, like, pretend like we're having a conversation. What's that make you feel? Convenience is really expensive. Ignorance is deadly. Uh, it sounds like you're paying more to, you know, have have what you want. I mean, I, most people would pay more for what they want than less for something they don't want. Do you know where I buy my milk? Whole Foods. Safeway. Whole Foods, is that, see, yeah, that'd be ignorant. So it's too expensive. Milk's milk to me. So now my fruits... Not oranges, not things with skins. But fruits with skins, I'll buy at Safeway. Milk, I'll buy at Safeway. I will never buy milk at 7-Eleven. Convenience store, too expensive. But Whole Foods, too expensive as well. Safeway, I'm not ignorant that Safeway's cheap. And I can get the same bottle of milk as I can. At, anyway, do you get, like, I don't know. Do you and your wife ever talk money? Absolutely. What's that look like? Uh, for many, many years, we didn't have a budget and never felt like we were saving anything. We were always spending, spending, spending. Uh, about 10 years ago, we put together a really good budget and said, we're going to spend this much. We pay off our credit card debt every month. Uh, you know, just the simple, simple things. And all of a sudden, we started having a little bit more free money. Um, and it's not just the change jar that's sitting by your door. It's a you know, significant amount of money that you can save by just understanding what you're doing on a monthly basis. Okay. I believe in that. So it's good to get on the same page with the sugar burger and have a budget and... Have a savings jar. Those are two things that are, are good on money. But how you all approach buying a new car? Because I don't think you have a new car right now, do you? Uh, both our cars are paid. 
okay. which which I never thought I would do. Most people have a, a car payment, uh, and they trade cars in every four or five years. Um, I think that's kind of silly. I think that's a, the old way to do a car. And there's so many good cars out there right now that'll last for a long time. So we're we're going to hold on them until we, you know, till they die. Which is kind of interesting because have you ever noticed car commercials? They never tell you how much a car is. They tell you how much a monthly payment is. People have learned what a monthly payment is, and that's like why a lot of car commercials will start with the lease price because it's the cheapest price they could show you. Yep. And they get you in on that, and they try to get you to buy it. If you saw that a car was sixty thousand dollars, fifty thousand, you'd be like, whoa. That's a lot of money. I can't afford that. But mm-hmm. if you see $440, you're like, I can do that. Whereas home prices are the exact opposite. You you see the home price. It's pretty obvious. Um, well, not for, there was a period of time where people were just buying payment. That was you know between 2000 and 2006. Uh, which would make a lot more sense. If you were to see, like, if you were to go house shopping this weekend... If they were to say, you know, a 30-year payment is going to be 2200 plus property taxes, 3200 uh, a well, month. I people think people would be like, I can afford that, but they don't. And that's why they get in that, that issue of, like, suddenly they have to do creative financing. When it comes to home loan, I think people are becoming a lot more aware of the, the different factors that go into buying a house, including the price, the term, the, the rate. But you were talking earlier in, in this uh, last hour about the possibility of rates going up 1% to 3%. Right, and that's all about payment. That's the f- affordability. Um, what kills me is somebody does have a car payment, even though it's a nice low interest rate. It's a, it's a five-year term, you know. So you have a four or five hundred dollar payment. That's taking away from your ability to buy a house. Um, and all of a sudden, that and theoretically, a four hundred thousand dollar loan with two three percent increase in rate, you're spending extra four or five hundred dollars a month. So people are making some. You have to really be concentrating on the decisions you make. Uh, especially when rates are as low as they are, because there's nowhere else to go but up. One of my theories. Yeah. Anyway, it's just interesting the way people shop. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. So I like basic financial maxims. Do you have any other basic financial maxims other than have a budget and a money jar? Well, the paying off the credit card debt every month. Okay. Um, I, I mentioned that. Um, every once in a while, my wife will bike to work. I mean, I save money on gas. I don't like gas prices. I I travel when I only have to. I I don't travel in rush hour when I don't have to. Okay. Um, I try to meet clients. You I, carry a bowling ball in your trunk. I empty my car. I keep my gas tank full. I mean, this, you didn't this, answer the question. Do you have a bowling I, ball? In I your do trunk? not. Okay. I, I have golf clubs though. And that'll cut down on gas mileage. Not by much. By enough. I'll be a lot happier though when I break down near a golf course. The essentials in life are pretty cheap. The luxuries are pretty expensive. I think you've learned that and mastered that pretty well. Yeah. So, Any loss that is not a disaster doesn't require insurance. I insure things that I can't afford to lose. So I pay my insurance on time. I never let my insurance lapse. I've got a folder that shows my expiration dates on everything from my web pages because I can't afford to lose my web page. If I lost robblack.com, you know how many Rob Blacks are in the nation? Many. 12,000. You know how many people want robblack.com? Probably 11,999. So, like, things that I can't afford to lose, I, I insure or I write down reminders of, like, I can't afford to lose my health care. What if I were to, like, lose my health care and then suddenly find out, like, I got cancer, the C word? No one would insure me. So, pre-existing conditions are bare, but conditions to know were there are even worse. One thing that I, I can say, and I think this hits your world of real estate, if it's complicated, it's not worth doing. 
I see a or lot. Or it's not worth doing on your own. If it's too complicated, like if you're trying to learn to, like you and I were talking off air about this company that's pushing rentals. Buy a rental in Dallas. Yep. Like you don't know Dallas. You've never been to Dallas. You don't know the job market in Dallas. You don't know the people in Dallas. You don't know the income taxes in Dallas. You don't know the uh, property taxes in Dallas. You don't know the buy and sell laws in Dallas. You don't know the discrimination laws in Dallas. So it's suddenly become complicated when you start thinking about it. You know, I, I like buying locally because I know the laws. You know, I can't lie. So I know yeah. what I'm getting into in California, per se. I think there's there's still people that are interested in buying real estate that way. Um, I think it's a lazy way of buying real estate. And I think that it, if I, I'd rather have you go buy a REIT. They can't buy real estate where they live. So they go out and buy real estate in another city. Like that tells you you shouldn't be buying real estate. You know, as these home prices are going back up, there's going to be a lot more people with more equity that are going to be do, trying to do this kind of technique. That's right. And when interest rates go higher, yep. people are going to be screwed. I'm not surprised that there's these types of businesses starting to creep back into the uh, industry. And the slimy people that they, that represent them, it always comes back to bite their reputation. And reputation is something you cannot, you cannot mess with. Price of borrowing money is interest and worry. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about other maxims to live by, financially speaking. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can find Tony at bayarealonesource.com. There's something curious about this broadcast. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? I'm not a big fan of wasting time, unless you've accomplished what you want to accomplish. I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. Um, I tried to get a national show. It wasn't meant to be. They wanted me to scream. I'll try to get another national show in a year or two, maybe six months, if maybe they're suddenly not asking me to scream as much. That might be more doable. Um, I tried and I failed. I refer to that as sometimes you take a pie in the face and sometimes you're hip deep in pie. I went to L.A. I got to meet with some agents, some artists, some directors, some writers, some producers. We came close, really close. But I'm glad that I did it. You know, 12 years ago, I was faced with the ability to come to California and work for CNET directly or you know, continue to do the home for my office, do the show for my home office. And I was like, I moved to California. You've been wanting to do it your whole life. So I took a chance, sold my house, and I moved out to the West Coast. Take chances on occasion. They pay off. And sometimes they don't. At least you know in hindsight that you did the best you could. And honestly, I've maximized my earnings every decision that I've made where I took a chance. Wow. I'm all over Facebook. I didn't realize that my personal Facebook page that I'm publishing, oh, good God, i got to stop doing that. I'm accidentally publishing my, my work Facebook onto my personal Facebook. And I don't really have a personal Facebook because I've never posted on my personal Facebook. I'm like one of those people who uh, believes in hiding. Anyway, Tony Mendez is here with us today talking finances, talking uh, money, real estate. One of the things that you and I absolutely positively believe in is finding a good real estate agent. Yep. Uh, and what I've learned is you don't just walk into an office and pick one. 
you work with two or three, you kind of get a feel for one. You interview them, you find out, you, you know, what, what questions would you ask in an interview? Because I know what questions I'd ask. Uh, how long have you been in the business? I think that's the most common, most asked question that you need to know. I think that there's a lot of impact on, on a person's tenure in the business. Uh, knowing other agents in the area, I think that's a very important uh, part of being in the business a long period of time because especially in this type of market where properties are you know, far and few in between, and it's difficult to just... Have you had a stroke, far and few no, in between? far and few. Few and far between. There's very few. <laughs> just check to see if you had a stroke. Um, I them. really hope that one day I have a stroke on air. And it sounds like this, and I don't realize how like, Welcome back to Rob Walker, boy. Because I'm asking for it. Anyway, go back to your few and far between. <laughs> you know I had the, the Bell's palsy. I do, and that paralyzed yeah. half your face because yeah, you I went to a chiropractor, Doctor Crackyback. Crackyback. I thought I had a stroke. Um, I would was, never ever go to a chiropractor. I had to meet a client uh, with half my face working. It was um, very interesting. It went away after like a month or two. Three weeks exactly. Okay. That is pretty interesting. Um, what's your average list price ratio? Uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of questions that you can ask a realtor. I think the most important part is that you have a good relationship with them. Um, you know, you do have to go and shop them. I would not use somebody that is uh, a coworker or that does or does real estate part time. I think I would get away from using somebody who is young in the business, maybe a year or two. They just may not feel the trends of the neighborhoods and understand, uh, you know, what's what's really going on in the business right now. An older agent is going to um, know other agents. They're going to have be in a larger office usually. Because, and, and that also helps your ability to find a house that may not hit the market um, because it's going to be at their partner's listing. And they're going to say, oh, you know, I have this house coming up. It might meet your client's needs. Um, there's a lot of buyers out there right now, Rob, and, and some of these agents are working with 10, 20 clients at a time looking at the same types of properties. So I find somebody that also has a good capacity to uh, turn over uh, properties faster than somebody who's just working out of their one office and maybe would struggle with two or three transactions in a month. There's a lot of things you need to ask a realtor. And, but I said, like I said, you feel comfortable with what they're doing. And I've worked with a larger company. Right. I like the tenure thing for a different reason. I like to know that they've seen adversity in cycles. Cycles meaning good economies, bad economies, um, ups, downs. So... I like the person who's uh, been able to ride down a slow housing market and still been able to pay their bills. Um, I think I told you that last time you were here that I have a friend who kind of came and left. Uh, She started off in high-end real estate. Then she got into, what's that horrible multi-level marketing one? Um, Uh, Tennyson Commons? No, 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 not Amway. uh, Totally flogging this one. Uh, which one? Herbalife. Yeah, she got into Herbalife. And uh, she's out of that. Oh, now she's into massages. Well, the nice thing about the industry nowadays is uh, we did have at one point 70% of the employment in California was somewhat related to real estate, which means there was a huge flood of people coming in looking for the quick dollar. Now that that's in reverse, the few people that are left are usually the client or the the realtors or the professionals that are 
you know, they toughed it out through the hard times, and they're going to do a good job, um, hopefully. But there's still people coming back into the industry that are still young, uh, just because they think they have a large contact list and they can do some real estate. Um, be very careful on who you choose. Uh, it's it really they're writing contracts. Uh, some people don't even know how to write a contract. That's from a loan perspective. Uh, some of the things that are important to me is that they have to be able to communicate. I, I remember a, a realtor once uh, didn't call me for t- 11 days, and finally she called her secretary calls and says the uh, the agent lost her cell phone, left it in her lunch bag or something like that. Um, those are some silly things that you 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 just can't predict. But from my perspective, good communication, writing a good contract, understanding the the seller's point of view, understanding contingencies and seller concessions. Um, you, there are some really good websites that you can go and learn some of these things. I like mortgageprofessor.com, mtgprofessor.com. You'll get everything from learning how to negotiate your contract to picking a realtor and picking loan products. I'm with you. mtgprofessor.com. Any other websites that you use for real estate? Oh, um, just mostly for news. There's a lot of good research places out there. As a matter of fact, I was looking one up just recently on the Federal Trade Commission. Believe it or not, it has like a mortgage worksheet. Um, there's some house. You can go to HUD.gov. That's a great place to get some just solid information. Uh, unlike the 2000 to 2006 era, uh, where loans were kind of mysterious, now it's pretty straightforward. And you, all the information that you see on a place like HUD.gov is going to be the same way that that lenders work. So there's no there's less hidden activities. I'm with you on that. So something that I, I also like going back to the topic of a realtor, choosing a good realtor to work with, is finding someone that really gets to know what sort of house you're looking for. Like if you look at ten houses one month and you don't get it, you should be only be looking at like two or three houses going forward. Yeah. Like they kind of refine the process for you. They know what you're not looking for. And it just goes back to a realtor that's just not asking you enough questions. Yeah, but also sometimes I, if you were to ask me questions, I probably wouldn't answer them right. But when you get me in a space, I'm like, I like the space. Or you'll hear me say things like, ooh, I don't like the 70s, you know, shag rug. Shag rugs could be pulled out, of course. And then you have to have that conversation with a realtor. You know, eh, you get the idea. For me, the number one thing that I'm looking for is water damage. It's an odd thing to say, but like a, a damaged foundation or, or a house that floods, I don't want. I don't want nothing to do with that. So if I see any history of water damage or water problems or potential water problems, I'm out. You can have a, a 70 shag carpet. I'll just pull it out and put my own in. You know, so um, things that I look for in a house, things that I look for in a realtor. So uh, I'm a big believer in realtors. Things that I don't look for in a realtor. I don't like the team approach. I know that sounds goofy, but it doesn't work for me. Now, again, maybe it works for you. That's fine. But I don't like that. Why don't you like the team approach? Eh, I want someone who knows, like, the histories. I like the person who knows how to work the deal. Um, I don't necessarily want, you know, the husband-wife. The husband-wife real estate team, just first and foremost, that just makes me ill. The whole concept <laughs> my brother. of working with your spouse. This my brother and his wife. I know. And it makes me ill because his wife might be really good at it, and he's pretty average at it, and he likes to get drunk, and she likes to stay up late working, and he might not return your call. and That's why I don't like teams of, in real estate. Like I want the one person that I know is as much of a go-getter as I am. See, I tend to disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in this 
type of industry, having a good team means that usually things are going to move a little quicker. Uh, the things that slow down uh, the purchase process are things like not having enough process uh, ability. Uh, we deal this on a daily basis. As a matter of fact, we're streamlining it right now just because we need things to go faster. And that's, you know, from a buyer's perspective, uh, you some of the ways that you get a good contract in or get your offer accepted is to have shorter contingencies, shorter escrow periods. And in order to do that, you have to work with a company that knows what they're doing. There's going to be some fly-by-night guys out there, Rob, that might not be a team. They might sell you a really good deal. I'm going to find you this right house, and then they can't perform because they don't have that team. Uh, we always talk, Rob, about having good partners around us, uh, good CPAs, good CFPs, good realtors, good loan agents. Uh, and that also means that those people have to ha- those professionals have to have I'm a just good saying story in real estate, around them. I don't like realtors working as a team. I, I disagree. Yeah, they're sharing commissions, and I don't think they do the work the same. And eh, it's something I just the team, like. Okay, I work with a realtor. She, he has a processor. It, she works. That's, that's not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. They're all realtors. All right, maybe you and I are not on the same page here. We're not on the same page, and you're wrong, and I'm right, and I win. Watch this. Say something in the microphone. I think you're. No, no, keep talking. I think you're wrong. No, I can't hear you. Can't hear you. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. FBI agents, civilians who work at the Pentagon, all will suffer uh, significant pay cuts. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things that I, you know, I preach mantras, I preach basic things. I want you to grasp it. Um, watch what you waste money on. You know, um, in San Mateo, I'm a member of a, an alert service that it'll email you like, hey, someone's been, you know, there's been three robberies in San Mateo County. There's, here's the houses. People panic and they go out and like buy security stickers. They go out and buy cameras with blinking lights on them. They just throw money away. People panic. Um, and like if you earn $100,000 a year, you can figure out what every dollar, what percentage you're throwing away. Um so I really like to pay attention to what I'm buying and not buying. So I tr- it, sodas. I'm glad that I gave up soda because every time you buy a soda, I remember when I was a kid, soda was 25 cents. Now it says they're two bucks or a buck fifty or a buck seventy eight plus tax and stuff adds up. So there's a phrase out there by Milton Friedman: "There's no free lunch. There's no free anything because no matter what, it's going to cost you time. A timeshare. You go in, you're like, hey, I'm going. I got a client who uh, bought a timeshare and it's just this ratty crap hole in Hawaii that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, it was fantastic. And he said what was funny is, like, you could have gone in. They start at 500000 They'll settle for 200 Like, the price will come down if you want to wait them out. And he's like, it's still a bad deal. He's like, I have to vacation the same place every year, and it's ratty. Because they've, no, they've moved on to other places to sell. So what's your thoughts on timeshares? First timeshare meeting I went to, you had to give them $100. 
and they give it back to you at the end if you make it through the whole process. So it's one of their ways to keep you through it. I just don't like the process. I used it to get a f- nice free vacation to the Bahamas, um, but I had endless, endless amount of emails, endless pieces of mail. Uh, I, I like. I think timeshares work only if you take vacations, and they, and it's, it can be a decent investment if you take vacations on a you know four vacations a year. Other than that, I don't like them. One of the phrases out there also that I live by is there's no free income, there's no free lunch, there's no free income. So um, I get emails from people saying, you know, I want to get money's not returning anything in my bank. What should I do? Well, your bank's for cash. Your bank's not for investments. You want to invest, closest thing to safety is a Ginny Mae fund, but it's not cash, and it's not banks. And, like, you remember a couple of years ago, ING directors paying 5 7%. Mm-hmm. If you open up a savings account, they can't afford to do that anymore because interest rates are near zero. They can't. Otherwise, they'd have to take that money from you, give you 5 to 7 They're getting almost nothing for saving it themselves, so they have to go out and speculate with it. So there's no free income. There's no free lunch. Um... A good product can be a bad deal if the price is wrong. One of the things I like about Amazon is I can shop prices. And I feel bad about doing that, but I don't want to pay too much for anything. A bad product is always a bad product. It's always a bad deal. A house with a cracked foundation? No way. Do you remember how speculative people were in 2006 on real estate? Yep. They were like, I'll, I'll buy the house. I won't even take an appraisal. Or not an appraisal, but... Uh, inspection. Inspection. Yep. So... I love inspections. Yeah, one of the... It's crazy what people were doing. Yeah. There's that guy, Skip Walker. He's in the Bay Area somewhere. And sorry for the people in Seattle, but you could use this story yourself. But he's a, he's one of those guys that does inspections. And he charges like 300 bucks to come to your house. He gets on your roof and tells you how long your roof's going to last. He looks at your foundation tells you, like, I dig that. Like, I like doing that every five years so I can see what big expenses I'm going to have coming up in my life, whether it's a washer-dryer. Um whether it's the wood paneling outside or... Is wood paneling bad? Wood yes. paneling's good. It, it can be good, unless it's like a T1 siding, which is pretty bad. I don't want to make myself look bad. Yeah, well, something that, that it's going to be somewhat of a... Not an epidemic, but it's something that a lot of people are buying right now who have the money. They, they can afford almost any house. They have extra down payment. They can outbid any other client is they're putting no contingencies and no inspections and no appraisals. And, uh, you know, that, that's really dangerous from not only the seller's point of view, but the, the, or from the buyer's, but the seller's point of view. Uh, from the buyer's point of view, you, you just don't, I mean, that's like going to an auction, just saying, uh, looking at the wall and seeing a picture and saying, I'll buy that house. Yeah. You, can, you have to still go into that house. And, and that's speculative buying to me. And I, th- I think that those people spending twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 more on a house, really, uh, without getting an inspection, is you know, dangerous. It's going to bite them. Any agreement has two parties, and this can go in real estate, this can go in stocks, this can go into marriage, but any agreement has two parties. The other person always works for themselves. Like, I know that. I know that. So, like, I got an email from a woman who, she inherited $800,000. It's now down to $400,000 because she bought real estate, where... The person she bought it from made money. She speculated in kind of like real estate investment. Then she got in some American funds, which have very high loads, 5.5%. So the person who sold it to her made money. She lost money. So know that every relationship, every agreement has got two people in it, one that's looking out for themselves, 
So you've got to look out for yourself. You've got to dig a little deeper and say, like, how is this person making money? So is it negotiable? I don't know. We're in, a, we're in a seller's market right now, and when you have those types of agreements, uh, you have, one person's going to have more leverage than the other. And, yeah. it's, and right now in the, in the metropolitan areas like Seattle and the Bay Area, there's some desirable properties that people are really over-leveraging. Um, Which I want people to remember that real estate's not an investment. It's a liability. And you don't have to rush in when everyone else is rushing in. In fact, that could ultimately hurt you. Um, I've got a friend who bid on 20 houses in the last couple of years. She lost on every one of them. Two of the houses ended up not hitting the price that they wanted or a deal fell through. And instead of coming back to her because she put an offer, they just put it on the market for another 80000 That seems immoral, but yep. if a deal falls through, they owe nothing to you. Here, listen to me, Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's a load on Friday, no work till Monday. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Cruising in the Mediterranean. Riding llamas in Peru. Clipping coupons in the kitchen? How do you see your retirement? Play smart with your money now, and you can live out your years in comfort. Learn what steps you should take in a free 90-minute webinar Wednesday, March 6th at 6.30 p.m. Join CFP Chad Burton online. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.